little streamers and stuff. Oh, for New Year's? Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> I need to just for you, Matt. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a year and celebrating 2020 recapping, year and reviewing, Matt Synonym Burning episode of the Brothers of Discussion. Not to be confused with Cinnamon Burning, which is a wonderful smell at the mall. Matt, we're going to try and remember every moment in the last 365 days. Woo! Matt's going to make distracting sounds in the background. And then we're going to rank all of Matt's distract. No, not his distracting sounds. Matt, we're going to rank every moment. 2020, uh, based on a very objective scientific process uh, with no bias towards what we may or may not have attended in person. Definitely will not play a part. Um, Matt, we're going to make time for our moments, our MVPs, maybe even MVP, um, and storylines of the year. But, oh, my God. Uh, before we do, Matt, we're... Only about 24 hours past um, uh, what AEW set up for uh, for John Huber, uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper, you may know him as, uh, who passed away uh, at age 41. Uh, um, yeah, I guess we just want to take a quick moment to uh, just talk about him real quick. And obviously you and I don't have any personal stories, but man, so many, just so many great stories coming out about him. Um, and I guess... Uh, like his passing is, you know, obviously it's a loss to us as wrestling fans. He's a tremendous performer, but um, I think that, like, what he stood for is is just, um, you know, as far as like being a putting your family before your job, and you know how many of the talking heads on AEW Dynamite um, talked about how much he did love wrestling. He loved giving tips. He loved giving advice. He loved, uh, you know, being there for the shows. But when the show was over, he was, you know, excited to go home, be with his family, and. Um, you know, we've had such a crap year in terms of even being able to see family during the holidays. Um, you know, it's, it's been a stretch to see the extended family. It's, you know, trying to keep away from each other, stay safe. Um, and just, uh, I guess his passing was just, um, uh, really stinks because, you know, it, it seemed like he had his priorities in the right spot. So, um, he definitely gave us a lot of great moments, Matt. Um, uh, you know, we really loved him in the wife family. Um, when he came to AEW and he totally got to, um, you know, open up his creativity and, you know, get away from, you know, what we, we heard him talk in interviews where he was not even remotely close to a guy who did a Southern accent. He's from the Northeast and, uh, letting him, uh, you know, kind of be himself and, um, uh, just kind of use his eyes to tell stories. And he, he was so good at that. And, uh, it's, it really sucks. It's a real bummer that, uh, you know, what happened you know, these, this past week, uh, to him, but at least we got to see a real outpouring of, um, you know, support, great stories about, uh, about John. And, uh, I don't want to steal all the points, but, um, you know, Matt, what did you, uh, kind of take away from this week? Uh, I, I mean, it was, it was absolutely heartbreaking what happened. Uh, like I, I only mean like with this family, uh, of, of Huber and, I guess the family of, of pro wrestling fans, like it, it's just, it's too, it, it's been such a rough year and this is so sudden. It wasn't even anything. I think you were even uh, tweeting at somebody earlier this, this week or maybe a couple weeks ago about when Brody was coming back. And that person's response was just like, um, 
I think they're just hurt. You know, it wasn't even like we were aware of what was going on. Uh, this this really was just it was something that um, I I was in no way, shape, or form prepared for. Um, it does sound like some of the reports are that you know the family was maybe a little bit more prepared for this. Uh, like this this wasn't something. I don't know. I guess we don't know anything for sure, but um, you know, it, it does sound like like it was they were preparing for for the last month uh for the worst so um at least there's that for the family like this this celebration that happened um was probably extremely therapeutic for the family uh especially uh boy oh boy his, his son i can't imagine what was going through his mind i can't imagine what's going to go through his mind years from now um it, it's hard to really pinpoint you know where to go in this conversation um which I think is, is normal for any sort of grief-ridden human. Um, I, I, I'd say my grief comes from falling in love with a guy who put on one of the best match, one of the best ladder matches I've ever seen, in uh, one that was supposed to be a throwaway match at a pay-per-view with Dolph Ziggler. Uh, re- really, like turned around a, 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 an intercontinental title feud at that time just from the pure wrestling ability because they weren't giving those guys opportunities on the mic at that time to like really shine and be themselves and like you said uh john was really held back and and made to be somebody he wasn't which is as we've always talked about in wrestling creative is always hard to get over but uh, then the pro wrestling shined through in those moments um the other thing too, I, I really I went back and listened to our old episodes where we discussed uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, and it was something to me that I I really enjoyed listening to and going back to because you and I kept talking about like this is the new Brothers of Destruction. Uh, we were really excited to see any success they had, and they really were like they they booked that really well. Uh, week after week, they were taking out little guys, and it was just it, it was a joy to see. Uh, some something like that just kind of start to go well, uh, especially for for Eric and and uh, Eric Rowan or Eric Redbeard, as we'll talk yeah, about Eric later. Redbeard, yeah, uh, it, it was really nice to see those guys. Like they, they weren't just winning; they were absolutely dominating. Um, it, it just it didn't work out with the fans. They they weren't connecting with it the way that we were. Um, so that was that's. I mean, that's even more heartbreaking <laughs> to that end, where it was kind of like. Oh God, we we were even pushing this thing to the moon, and it it didn't get over. But um, that that just makes me more heartbroken for John and all of the good work he could do by just being in the ring. And um, I'm happy he got those moments with with AEW. Um, but I think ultimately it just keeps coming back to uh, God, you know. It, and it sucks, but. It's a podcast where we host it, so we talk about how we feel, um, and I don't think anybody cares how I feel. No, I, I would just say a few other things that I think kind of got through the cracks until uh, till now for me. Um, I, I just assumed, you know, refer- uh, wrestling has a lot of self ref- uh, self-referencing. Um, so when I saw that, you know, John was wrestling as uh, Brody mm-hmm. Lee, I assumed it had something to do with Bro- uh, Bruiser Brody. Uh, it was kind of neat to learn that it was actually a reference to the, the character Brody in Mallrats. Um, and because oh. uh, he said he had a, when he shaves his face, he has a passing resemblance to Jason Lee. Um, 
So kind of, I don't know, I guess learning little nuggets like that, um, seeing how big of a Breaking Bad fan he was. He's always rocking that Los Pollos Hermanos t-shirt, um, knowing he kept good company with, you know, the big metalheads and uh, knowing that most importantly, he kept, you know, really strong company with his kids and his wife. And um, yeah, we, we were lucky to know him and uh, it's a real tragic loss. And I, I just... I don't, I don't, I haven't gone on Reddit yet because that's usually a hellhole of uh, negativity. But I got to say that it seems like the positivity uh, on Twitter, it seemed it was all supportive and just felt like every five minutes somebody was sharing another great story about, uh, about John. And um, I think if you have that much uh, evidence, I, I think we were working with a pretty stand up man. So uh, the, the short time that we had with him, you know, I'm, I'm glad we got that at least. Yeah, and I, I, um, I mean, here we are. We're talking about it on our podcast, but I mean, I just want to let everybody know that I, I don't know. From from my perspective, the one thing I, I hope everybody could, I, I, I'm probably gonna get a lot of people angry at me, but just think about the things that you're 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 putting out in social on social media. Are are you really doing it for the care and love of? The family and for respect out of what this tragedy is or are you just doing it for likes i i will say i was a little disappointed in our wrestling community for doing a, a lot putting in a lot of effort to do uh something for attention and i i hope that that if anybody's listening to this that you'll maybe reconsider next time the, that you're trying to put a tweet together or a social media post that is about something tragic like this. And are, are you doing it just for your own social yeah, media status or yeah, are you doing it? It's important to keep the focus in the right spot, I think is what you're trying to say. Um, you know, not necessarily, you know, your, your own. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, yeah, we'll just leave it at that just to keep the, you know, the focus in the right spot. So, uh, but I think most people kind of meant well and, you know, they, were kind of touched by this moment and I, I feel like AEW actually did a, a pretty amazing fantastic job um we talk about uh, so much about this show uh you know being political and kind of reaching across the aisle and uh there's definitely a lot of WWE talent that was reaching across the aisle and just you know showing their appreciation uh for what AEW did um for John so um I think in that regard they, they did a pretty good job and I think people were, were pretty happy with what Tony Khan uh booked for that night um, including the spots with uh, uh, negative one <laughs> for the Dark Order, uh, mm -hmm. their newest recruit. So, yeah, it was it was really good to see him smile because I, I, at first, honestly, I was thinking, let's let him enjoy the show, stop putting him on camera. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I'm glad that it, it eventually. It had to feel good when he uh, took that kendo shot. Uh, yeah, put it on MJ off. That had to feel fantastic. Yeah. And, and hearing that he helped book the show, I, I really hope that that was his idea too. Um, okay, and Amy, uh, Amy's right there with me. She, I think Amy and I had a private conversation where we kind of saw the same things, and it was kind of making us go, "Ooh, please, everybody, stop!" Uh, so, Amy, I'm glad you you threw. Uh, Amy just says, "Preach, Matt." I completely agree with you. Um, thanks for throwing that in there, Amy. Sometimes you know you. Uh, all of us, we throw out those thoughts where we're like, okay, I'm really going to go out of limb here. I hope I don't just get thrown under the bus. But um, I mean, well, when I say that, I think I think it's just an awareness thing. It kind of comes back to like those articles we wrote about how to watch pro wrestling. Um, just 
bring in a little more self-awareness with the actions is it goes a long way at least it goes a long way with me uh all right so let's uh we'll turn this around right because this was yeah. um i highlighted our, our pro wrestling notes a little differently and i said you know pro wrestling 2020 news and i think it made sense that john huber was number one on that list uh but for the rest of this everyone we are going to make an awkward transition here we are going to try and have a little bit more fun with the show uh, but continuing, uh, some other, I, I would say, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum to kind of spin this to be a little bit more um, pleasant of a celebration. Uh, let, let's talk, Mike. Becky Lynch became a bomb uh, this year. That, yeah. uh, Mike, that was probably, I, I cried twice watching wrestling this year. And um, I think both of them are because I'm a father now. Uh, but I, I just couldn't. I definitely, obviously, for last night, why that was hard for me uh, to watch. But then Becky Lynch announcing that she was going to go become a mother um, and to see the jubilation uh, of both Asuka and Becky Lynch and that celebration. Like, I can't believe that Asuka found out at that moment, but her reaction made me feel like that's totally possible. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's too much to dissect from that, but I, I think it's it's huge that probably the biggest uh wrestler uh I, I would say top five wrestler in pro wrestling at the time that she was there i think she's fallen down the list because of um you know her going up to, to go be a mother uh but at the time top five in the world all pro wrestlers i'm not saying female top five and uh to see somebody at that level go and make that choice um you know to start a family with seth uh it, it was beautiful and fantastic and i loved oscar's reaction you know maybe oscar was just thrilled because she was going to go be the champ but um that was a beautiful moment and so the, the it was the first time uh this year that i that i cried uh watching wrestling i i also cried uh i was watching wrestling on tv we also cried uh earlier in the year um at somebody else's return but uh we weren't watching it on tv we were lucky enough to be with uh, who's also commenting on this show uh yeah we were lucky um, to be with amy at the at the royal rumble i'll just say it and edge return but mike you go first take take it away with with becky if you want and then we'll touch on edge coming back yeah i um uh, if they had such a perfect uh person to kind of bounce uh almost play the play the straight man in this news uh with asuka um yeah <laughs> like uh they kind of um uh, dichotomy there in their in their characters um and it, it really for me like that kind of authentic raw emotion uh the only thing i can compare it to is when uh the cast of the office surprised steve corral and started singing that song about all his moments at the office and he's just like that yeah you know, like that was not scripted they just kind of surprised that on him and he's just yeah. like what's well, happening um it i don't know if that's the case with asuka uh but i just she was so authentic and she was such a like an avatar for the audience um we all felt exactly like oscar did like oh my god really oh my god and then, uh, like giving the big hug and it, it didn't feel out of place it didn't feel corny it it kind of you know broke some uh you know wrestling barriers broke kayfabe and they just you know were two two women you know sharing some really you know excellent news and um you know, it's, you know, regrettable it's with Seth, but, you know, love happens where it happens. And then uh, out of that, you know, um, we got to extend uh, Asuka's successful streak. And she she had one of the better 2020s of anybody 
Um, and and uh, as far as our year in review, there's a pretty strong likelihood of her being a performer of the year. But um, yeah, uh, Matt, kind of moving forward, there's a, it's just great news. There's not much to add on to that. Uh, we got Edge back. Fucking Edge came back. Yeah. Um, after getting his... <laughs> His, I think his spine and his neck had uh, three surgeries on it. They were fusing pieces back together. Yeah. This was one of the most shocking uh, pieces of news uh, to hit wrestling in, in years. Uh, if you want, you can compare I, it to Daniel Bryan's return. But right. we kind of had a feeling Daniel Bryan was coming back. There was little little illusions here and there. There was little winks and nods, you know, when he was feuding with The Miz on uh, Talking Smack. and Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we heard about him going in the hyperbaric chambers and, you know, coming out a new man. And this Edge news just totally came out of nowhere. Um, you know, usually the dirt sheets just ruin any kind of surprise, especially any kind of Royal Rumble surprise. You know, you'll be in uh, the hotel lobby bathroom. And you'll see somebody putting the fresh, you know, uh, uh, hair color in, you know, before <laughs> they go to the ring. Uh, you know, we saw that with Kevin Nash a couple of years ago. <laughs> so uh, this was two huge things. I think, um, obviously, the biggest one is we got fucking Edge back. Uh, but two, it kind of gives us hope that, my God, maybe there's still a world where we can be surprised um, that that <laughs> we can still get and, these magical moments without, you know, the dirt sheets and Twitter ruining them. And for all for all the people that said, uh, I knew he was going to be there, no, then just, just, just change your mind that to when you... You were either at the Royal Rumble like we were. You were watching it from home and you saw Edge. If you thought, if you knew he was going to be there, then go to, to go back to the moment where you found out he was going to be there. That was the... <laughs> don't bullshit me. That was huge. If you cheated and read it on dirt sheets or if... Like, just... I hope that if you are that person that read it on dirt sheets and you decided you wanted to ruin pro wrestling for yourself because you want to sit at the Royal Rumble and go, ah, I knew he was coming. I hope MVP. I, <laughs> I hope to God that when you read the dirt sheets, you're like, Edge, yes! <laughs> and you don't just read it and consume it and then get closer to death. Please, if you're going to read the dirt sheets, have fun with it. Um, Mike, you you picked the next one on the list because I kind of jumped around the list. Do you want do you want to do the pick a, a different one or? Yeah, I mean, we tried to. Gosh, like the ones that were really like uh, big talked about news. Um, I guess what, one of them that really stuck like stuck out for me was uh, cinematic matches. Um, and I know mm -hmm. if Andy's watching, my God, this was a way for us to get Undertaker back in a ring, kind of uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> fighting without you know. Anybody like cringing or wincing? It it, it worked. Um, you know, thanks to COVID, we really had to get uh, creative. Um, you know, with kind of putting pay per views together, with uh, putting match cards together, um, and I guess trying to experiment. What the heck do we do if there's no crowd? And uh, you know, a couple people that you know put their heads together. It was the groups uh, who helped write for Undertaker, who helped write for Bray Wyatt. Um, you know, Matt, I see you, uh, one of your boys, NXT had one of those, Cameron Grimes fighting Dexter Lewis. Um, I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to miss it. <laughs> I'm going to throw AEWs in there, too. Um, 
it's not quite as uh, cinematic as you know what Undertaker and Bray did, but like the the Stampede match, you know that was just it was just camera storytelling. It was the camera going where it needed to be. Um, I think if you're actually watching this in a live show and you just saw some of the guys lying on the ground for ten minutes at a time while another spot was being filmed and Matt Hardy was. <laughs> You know, flying around in a in a bathtub, changing uh, his outfits and changing characters. Uh, another character, uh, Hangman, was riding a horse or getting a beer. Um, it was it was almost a movie. It was uh, a sports movie. It was a Wild West movie. Um, it was a, a sci-fi movie. Um, so while COVID sucked, right, it robbed us of so many great live moments that you know we should have been there to really enjoy. Um, yeah. It gave us an opportunity to do things where okay, we don't have a live crowd. How can we take advantage of that? And we took advantage of that by, you know, um, kind of looking at things in a microscope, getting the cameras up close, and then just telling stories with, you know, um, facial expression, these guys just being right there. Uh, we can actually hear the banter um, and not having to rely on just the, the crowd reaction that we were so accustomed to. So it was it was uh, uh, a scary risk as a producer, as the producers of wrestling, but I think it came out okay, Matt. Uh, those are some of our, you know, favorite matches now in history. Yeah, and I, it's hard for me too because we want the definition of pro wrestling to change because of this year. Um, like, I, it's one of those things where you look at, uh, it's it's a square that is also a rectangle, right? Because uh, if you just broaden your idea of, uh, you know, opposite sides have to be equal. Yeah, uh, that's a square is also a rectangle. So I just I want it I want it also, to fit. Amy threw in there. I love the I love the boneyard match. No cringing, finally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I want to get the 12 hour tape of The Undertaker and AJ throwing down and how many times they had to reset or get that back brace adjusted for Undertaker. I I gotta imagine there was something back there considering he wore a shirt the whole time. Um but no, no. I again, I, I think if there's a silver lining to this year, it's that it is possible that pro wrestling can change. It doesn't always have to be <sighs> some collection, you know, between two and like eight people in the ring, and it's have, you know they have to be inside the ropes. And it's the only way we can solve these matches. We get, you know, we get sort of outside of that when we start doing ladder matches. We start doing money in the bank. We do the hardcore matches, but it's still the, the same. Like this is. I just went back uh, today and watched the the John Cena and Bray Wyatt thing, and it it's incredible. And you get Titus O'Neil right at the end going, "I don't know what the hell I just watched," which is <laughs> you can't watch that match and not include the Titus O'Neil reaction. That's the only way to watch that match, by the way. But it's 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 beautiful. It's art. It, it's everything I I want out of other things that I watch. So why can't I have it in pro wrestling? Why can't I get the unexpected and something different and unusual? Um, but yeah, I did through it. I threw in Cameron Grimes and Dexter Loomis. Cause I thought that was one of the more underrated ones because I, the, the budget was probably at its lowest for that match. And I, I think yeah. that is where Cameron Grimes, if his booking right after didn't kind of suck, I think he really could skyrocketed. Uh, but it, it does look like they're going to take everything good that came from that House of Horrors and give it to. Oh wait, the House of Horrors. That's uh, that's Matt Hardy. What's the what was the Dexter Loomis? Uh, the haunted house match. Yeah, it was a um, haunted house match. But he, yeah, he's the one that's definitely taken all the, all of the uh, the good feelings from that. Uh, now that he's going to be hosting the New Year's Evil 
uh, show, but yeah, and I mean, yeah. other two, we didn't even throw. I don't know if you want to call them necessarily cinematic, but um, Randy Orton uh, burning a man to death, uh, <laughs> lighting the fiend on fire. I uh, I would say so. Yeah, that definitely gets closer to cinematic than. I mean, there there were touches where they they cut and put in a dummy fiend. Uh, so right. that, that right there makes it cinematic. Yeah, and then on some of the uh, like the body blows and the punches when the when the impact would hit, the fire would go up. Yeah, you know, to try and emphasize the strikes. Um, and then similarly, uh, you know, when it was um, Edge and Randy Orton doing their battle, uh, but it it kind of digressed. The greatest into, uh, wrestling match: uh, uh, Keith David and Roddy uh, Roddy Piper uh, having their their they live fight where they're just kind of <laughs> swinging in an alley and killing each other. I love, um, I love, because I would do the same thing. Keith David, right off the top of my head. And uh, who's the guy he was fighting? And <laughs> he's a wrestler, no, right? He was a wrestler. Yeah. Dumb, and he's gonna kick the man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big Keith David Mark. All right. Uh, yeah, no, we both are. <laughs> Matt, um, another huge uh, story this year, um, and I think it's because if you're a WWE fan, for years. Uh, you would boo Roman Reigns. Um, but what the WWE uh, <laughs> higher-ups wanted you to do was cheer their beloved product uh, that they created out of uh, Kevlar and dog fur. Man, we're talking about the big dog, Roman Reigns. Um, this was the first year the dog went heel. And uh, I don't know anymore. I don't know if that's a dog pun or not, but Matt, this was one of the most perfectly executed uh, <laughs> flip in a character <laughs> That went right over my head. <laughs> the dog went <laughs> right, real. Uh, there you go. Um, yeah, Roman's doing some of the best work of his career, and it's uh, it's just happening now. Um, from when he debuted as the the plucky muscle of the Shield, who didn't really know how to talk, and then suddenly he's thrust upon us as the uh, babyface solo act who didn't really know how to talk, and then they just told him to be a babyface and stop talking and. Now he's a heel, and all he does is talk and say cool, tough guy things and make us wet ourselves. So, Matt, it's, uh, the, the head of the table is uh, running on all cylinders. And I, I think if you want to talk about the best of 2020, you got to talk about Roman Reigns basically running uh, not just SmackDown. Matt, he's running Fox. He's running the mainstream uh, uh, wrestling program WWE does on Fox yep. TV that advertises for the NFL which, you know, is, is like their dream boner to be in the same breath. And, Matt, they get a dream boner every Friday night with Roman Reigns. Yeah. Ooh, ah! Yeah, no, I, I and it, what's funny is I hadn't given that a single thought till you just brought it up right now. Like, they needed, they, they needed the support of viewers uh, for Roman Reigns, and that was the only way they were going to get it. But th there's also probably a lot of push from Fox to make sure one of these top guys like Roman Reigns had the title. Then we always complain about like Goldberg holding the title, but we know a lot of that has to deal uh, do with uh, something like Fox wanting to take some control, you know, get, get Brock Lesnar the title. I can't have Kofi Kingston holding on to the, you know, not my show, not, you know, I, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring, uh, we're not trying to go too deep into that. I'm just saying executives, have this idea uh, of, of how these TV programs should work and we've seen it play out. So that's, 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 that's that. So this is that opportunity to take the big, the big dog, the big guy on, on WWE and get support from every which way, 
what I think is funny is that this would have been the first opportunity where they could do whatever they wanted with Roman Reigns and just filter in cheers. And they chose not to do that, which is which is interesting. Uh, I, I you you totally w- could have seen that and just been like, okay, now we just have to eat this. Like this is just what we're having for dinner. It's either that or we just stop watching. So uh, they totally could have treated us like a little kid uh, who was asking for hot dogs, but unfortunately had to eat his pork chops. And instead, they gave us hot dogs. Uh, so I, I mean, they were a good parent for once. So so good on you, WWE. I. Uh, I'm going a long way for that <laughs> uh, that comparison there, but I, I think it works. Um, to that end, Mike, we also got the, the Thunderdome, which, um, you know what? I get it. I've written the, the blogs about uh, stop thinking about brands first when you're choosing which pro wrestling to watch. Just look for the wrestlers you support. And I think for the most part, we do that. Uh, but then there's how companies handled uh, the COVID-19 situation. And WWE is not without blame because they let people watch their NXT shows in the most likely state to catch COVID, uh, which would be Florida. So they're not perfect. Uh, They probably shouldn't even be doing shows because we've seen some accounts of uh, their employees that are on the the crew to put the show together getting sick. Uh, But at least they do the Thunderdome and they haven't pulled back on that one iota. But keep that going. I don't know why NXT can't do a show at the Thunderdome. I'm not sure how those contracts work when you're in an arena that there's nobody, nobody's going to be in that arena, but they're, you know what I mean? Like there's supposed to be hockey going on and instead the Thunderdome just gets to sit there. Um, Yeah. I guess long story short, I I wish that WWE did not let fans into the NXT arena. Uh, The Thunderdome was a pretty good idea. I, I don't, I don't know the logistics. I wish they could do it for NXT. It would be a much safer option. Um, we don't know what goes on with fans being allowed at these wrestling shows. We don't know how... Uh, I mean, we know at NXT, everybody's elbow to elbow. Um, so we know it's not being handled properly. Uh, and I don't know. Long story short, I like the Thunderdome. I wish AEW was doing it too. And uh, NXT, what 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 the fuck? Why are people elbow to elbow? Yeah, I don't know. Um it's uh it's definitely uh you know kind of back to the wall um how are we gonna act like there's people here because i I think at wrestlemania they they took an empty arena about as far as you could go with just a star-studded card um a condensed show uh which is another point that we need to bring home is uh this year yeah more concise um feels like you still got a pretty similar amount of matches, but it felt like everything was kind of um, yeah, concise. It's just the perfect word. Yep. Um, it didn't feel like there was any filler. We were just getting the championship matches, the the feuds that mattered, uh, giving them TV time. Um, but yeah, with the Thunderdome, I I think it's uh, it was vital uh, just uh, kind of keeping that crowd engagement. Um because wrestling is it's it's such an interactive experience. It's it's a it's it's just detrimental to the product uh, to have it, you know, in an empty warehouse. Um, so I, I'm glad that they found some way to kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of bridge that gap until we can start bringing humans uh, safely back into the arenas, you know, to cheer and scream and boo and, you know, get people over and react and, uh, you know, all that, all that great theater that we love so much um, about professional wrestling. But um, 
it was a it was a huge piece and uh you know it's kind of it's it's trickling into other sports i think uh, like football baseball doing that ridiculous cardboard cutout doesn't work for me um <laughs> i do yeah. like the, the nba's version it's it's pretty close to wwe but without the the scale um and i guess we'll kind of see what the nhl does uh halfway through january here what they want to do with the uh a lot of stadiums uh to try and you know get that together and yeah you know, wwe is basically in one home base which makes it a lot more feasible oh, absolutely. financially um so it might be a little bit of an adventure here for the uh we'll call them the other major sports wwe we're gonna put you in the same <laughs> breath as major sports so dream come true all right, what else do we have on here? Um, I guess that that couples in the fans return to live events was was my other headline that uh, <laughs> we can cross that off. Uh, Mike, we had uh, we had another return. Um, Are you gonna do a Shivani? Uh, I shouldn't. I my, baby, my baby girl's trying to fall asleep. <laughs> it's it was just it was man. I didn't think that in 2020 I would be this excited uh for the artist known as sting uh but by god seeing that man on tnt programming uh donning the white and black uh crow yeah. face paint the long jacket um coming out to snowflakes which man i, I gotta <laughs> say wrestling has been around forever um at this point and i i don't think i could think of another wrestler who came out to snowflakes sub-zero uh, except glacier Oh, Glacier. That's right. Damn it. I just called there him you Sub-Zero. You're, you're calling him Sub-Zero, man. He couldn't even stay. <laughs> Stupid asshole. Oh, my God. Um, he looked like Sub-Zero. He came out in the fucking Mortal Kombat getup. Totally right. different people. Yeah. One's Glacier. All right. The other one's Sub-Zero. Two totally different vowels and consonants. Not remotely alike. Um, but uh, <laughs> to bring that uh, bring that entrance back, um, he looked re reinvigorated, rejuvenated. Um, it looks like he's probably going to be taking Darby Allen under his wing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, did you think you'd be this excited for the icon? The franchise? Oh, I'm right at about the point I thought I'd be excited. Um, I think it's kind of neat, but I'm not, I'm not as excited <laughs> as you are. Okay, so, put it on your list, man. Am I, am I, am I shocked that, that you're this excited? Yes. Um, I think it's big news. I, I just, um. Again, I, I think uh, there's there's not going to be like a, a wrestling. There's not. I was really excited to see Sting versus Undertaker when he came to WWE. And we didn't get that. And I don't know how many more matches are on my, I need to see Sting fight this guy. Like there, there aren't too many more matches like that. And I know we're not going to put him into the ring with, with Darby Allen or Sammy Guevara. And it's going to be a banger. It's not. Uh, there's probably a reason that WrestleMania match looked like garbage when it was Sting versus Triple H. And then he, he fought for the WWE Championship and destroyed his body. So that's nothing bad. That's not on him. He's well, getting older. You might, uh, get a, you might get a cinematic match. Sure. but I just, I just ask that it's not against Matthew Hardy. Oh, my God. Why did you say that? <laughs> You're not supposed to put these things into the ether. It's supposed to. You're supposed to no, keep that on the like, inside. Somebody yeah. in the, <laughs> the Cody meme is starting already. A Cody gif. Um, no, I love Matt, but I, I'm not. I don't need to see that at this point of my life. Um, well, yeah, let's yeah. keep on rolling because yeah, we went way too long in our news headlines. 
Um, I don't think we have any left besides, Mike, to cap it all off. For me, I came into this year as a huge fan of Chris Jericho. Oh, no. I, we were doing the song on our show. Uh, right. I just, th I think this was it for me. I can't, I can't listen to him. I can't see his face anymore without knowing he's the guy that, with everything happening, acted like COVID wasn't a thing. So, I'm sorry to say this for everybody who's a hardcore AEW fan. Um, if if you're if you're, a, you know what? I I get it. I get it because I watch Woody Allen movies. So we're not we shouldn't watch Woody Allen movies, but I still watch them and I go, that's pretty funny. But for some reason, I've drawn the line. I, there's no Chris Jericho. I can't cheer for him anymore after how he treated COVID and uh, was doing concerts and shows. I know he's talked it back. Words are great. Uh, but the actions mean quite a bit. And there were a lot of <laughs> numbers surrounding him and everybody, every other performer in the world at that time to say, probably don't do this. And uh, he did it. And a lot of people got sick, at least, you know, from some of the, the articles that are written by people that are much smarter than me. So I, I just, gosh, damn, uh, Mike, I can never root for the man again. And I still think that's that's a huge wrestling story this year is that uh, the man, Chris Jericho, went and became a real-life heel. Uh, might as well be... Might, he became a politician a in your mind. No. Can we, God damn it. That gets right. you. That gets you. Uh, you know what? There was one more that I we forgot to mention. Was, uh, yeah. the, uh, the WWE wrestlers losing their, their Twitch streams and cameo. Uh, I was talking earlier about, like, stop being a fan of, like, the brand and, like, pick your wrestlers that you're fans of. I just talked about why I'm not ever going to be a fan of Chris Jericho. Uh, like, the biggest reason probably to never, like, out, like, just blindly support the WWE is they took away <laughs> some extra income from their own employees who, who should be able to do whatever they want. Uh, but they're not because they're treated like contractors when it benefits the WWE and they're treated like full-time employees when it benefits the WWE. So any which way you pull this thing, uh, it, it's awful. It's such bullshit. And really it's reflective of the entire industry and how that works. But, um, you know, with that, I think we saw a, a big example last night of how things can get better uh, with how Tony Khan and AEW are going to, help support the Huber family. But, um, you know, that's, that's a step in the right direction. But I think we can all agree that it's wrestling industry on a whole. Yeah. You know, one thing we didn't bring up too is, uh, you know, kind of getting that flexibility, um, you know, about whether or not they're just going to be, if they're actually going to allow to be independent contractors. We did, we did not mention AEW and impact crossing over now. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people might roll their eyes and be like, woohoo, you're an impact, but it's a baby step. And what it could mean is, you know, these guys aren't going to be necessarily, um, you know, stuck in, you know, like in the WWE style, you cannot, you can't even, you know, you just mentioned, you can't do these other social media platforms or it can bring in uh, money unless it's, you know, without the express written consent of the, you know, world wrestling entertainment. Um, so now we're getting to a point where these guys can just, you know, parachute in and, you know, make some money on the side and, you know, sell some t-shirts and some other companies and get exposure and start building their own brands and, you know, becoming stars that, you know, aren't just part of one promotion. You can 
you know, sell yourself in all these different areas and, and really cash in. Um, so obviously we're still really in the early stages of that. Um, it was basically just Kenny Omega kind of, you know, floating over, but, um, you know, seeing the interest, uh, from fans, um, you know, there's that, that huge potential for growth. Uh, you know, this little acorn, I think Matt can really become uh, a big Oak, uh, for wrestling with, uh, you know, branches to all these different companies and, um, you know, letting these wrestlers really, um, you know, fill their pockets with, uh, Mark Gold. And I'm, I'm happy to give my Mark Gold over, Matt. So, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for this year. Um, and I know I, you really gotta just be patient, but this was a, a huge, it was the hugest baby step. <laughs> You know, since the territory area, hugerest, hugerest is the proper way to pronounce that. Now, I know we want to talk about our performers of the year because I know you want to wax poetic about Drew McIntyre. Uh, we could kind of build up to him, but man, well, let's make the case. There's something I'm gonna wax when we start talking about Drew McIntyre. <laughs> well, don't wax his beautiful chest hair, Matt. It's part of his aura. Um, <laughs> Matt, I'm gonna make the case uh, for MVP uh, for maybe one of the performers of the year. Um, he just, uh, speaking of parachuting, he literally parachuted back into our lives, um, at the Royal Rumble. Um, I don't think, I think people had kind of a, what's the word? We'll say tepid applause. Um, kind of half-hearted, like, oh, there's MVP. He's going to get annihilated by Brock Lesnar. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, he came out, uh, you know, dropped some Wakanda on us. Um, you know, threw up, uh, threw the dubs up and then, uh, they just gave him a microphone. And Matt, this guy literally just, you know, in the vein of uh, one of our now favorite wrestlers, Eddie Kingston, just started talking and talked his way into being one of the most important pieces of Monday Night Raw. Not Cog, one of the uh, people who pulls the curtain, ends the show, and is responsible uh, for taking three floundering talents uh, who were kind of meandering about the card, uh, directionless, um, you know, no advocates, no championships, uh, just kind of there as, I wouldn't even call them enhancement, ta enhancement talent. Um, really just there to make sure AEW didn't sign them. And MVP took Shelton Benjamin, Bobby Lashley, Cedric Alexander under his wing and just created a, not just a faction, but a, a black faction that, you know, wasn't nation domination. It, you know, wasn't about, you know, crime or some other, you know, if offensive characteristic uh, caricature. He just built a team of guys who wanted to win and be successful and dress professionally. And they just backed up, you know, uh, strong, confident talk with wins. And it's just such a... You know, for what Black Panther was doing for, uh, like, the superhero movie and trying to make sure that all people are represented, uh, MVP did a, a huge number uh, socially uh, for Black wrestling. I, I'm so excited, like, for what he's been able to do and, you know, what the future holds. Um, it, 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 it didn't feel like the usual roster of, you know, it feels like there's kind of a, a shape... And like skin tone that WWE promotes, and then all of a sudden we were watching main event matches where it was the Hurt Business versus you know the Street Profits or the New Day, um, you know, or in some capacity Ricochet was doing battle with them. So it was, it it wasn't just you know something on the side. This was something in 
the spotlight. It was something main eventing raw. And it was some of the, you know, best writing that we saw this year was the, the, just the, the nurturing of this group. Um, so it's, if, if you're not mentioning him as, you know, maybe not wrestler of the year, he's not putting on five-star matches anymore. He's not a young man, but man, to really just change, uh, the narrative, uh, for black wrestling, um, in WWE, at least MVP was an MVP, man. I, you make a great case. I still feel like he's missing a huge element in regards to being performer of the year. I think if we went head to head and said who was um, the um, promo artist of the year, it would be MVP versus Eddie Kingston. Uh, no, no doubt in my mind. I think that that would be it. Um, it's just now the list I made. I wasn't even necessarily saying I was going to pick from this list. We probably should have talked more before we started. Is is MVP like your official pick? Because I no, I almost made this up a little bit. He's not the official pick. So I almost made this list and said these people are all tied for first. Is this, so I could pick one. Why don't you make, uh, make the case for Eddie? I don't want to make the case for Eddie. Are we talking? Right, I'll make the quick case for Eddie. He's, I don't think uh, he's, he's not, performer of the year. Are we, are we just talking? Uh, yeah, I was just, just make the case. All right. Do you want to talk about him or no? No, for, for promo artist. I mean, he, he's the guy that did a promo on a cookie on the spot to show everybody that he can do a promo on anything. And he brought in the feel of, of what that cookie was in his hand, the smell of it, how it brought him back to being in his mother's kitchen. Um, but we talk about it all the time. And this is going to go into me talking about Drew McIntyre. Is, yeah. is casting is huge when it comes to finding the right promo artist. Um, if there's something that those three guys, let's just say it right now, you've got MVP, Eddie Kingston, and Drew McIntyre. They have a unique, very cool sounding voice. Something that a guy like Dolph Ziggler will never have. And that will always be his Oh, problem. taking four digs at Dolph. Oh, I'm no. I, it, the thing of it is, everybody wants, you know, they see Chad Gable doing something goofy. And it's because you don't put Chad Gable in Conan and the Barbarians. Like, he's never going to hold that lead role. Because, that's a bad example, because I picked a guy who's tough to understand. <laughs> but at least to the point where he's got a cool voice. Like, it's... it's, it's uh, it's Austrian, right? But it's still intimidating when he when he starts talking. But um, I, it's just right. Like, doesn't that make sense? Isn't that why we watch movies and and we have the right people in the right places? That's why Drew McIntyre made so much sense. That's why Roman Reigns makes sense right now. He's really driving in that that heel voice, and he's slow yeah. plotting. Uh, with Eddie Kingston, he's he's a character despite it being probably pretty close to who he is in real life, he's still a character uh, yeah. that oozes from just the sound I, and his cadence. And yeah, there's texture, Mike. There, You can feel, you can feel the sound that comes out of his mouth. It's beautiful. As in regards to doing promos, a huge part of it to me is always casting. And I, uh, it's something that for Asuka, is is incredible um the way that she needs to break through a language barrier so even in her voice she manipulates the voice to bring in all the enthusiasm and excitement and the growl the same growl we'll, we'll hear from drew mcintyre we'll, we'll uh we hear from eddie kingston we hear from mvp 
She's got that growl. Like, that's why it works. Now, I'm not saying anybody can get that growl off. It just so happens that there's people who are, I don't know if I want to use the word blessed, but they're they're just lucky enough that and Mike, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be in a leading role for a movie anytime soon. I'm too doughy. Like it's just not gonna happen. Yeah. So it's some I, kind of thing. That, yeah, about Eddie, about Eddie Kingston, man. Um one of my favorite things is uh driving around the neighborhood. There were those uh two word short stories. Um and it was just, that's all it would be. It's like in black and white and the focus is just on the words in white. It would just, you know, you, you'd be able to kind of conjure images based on this two word story. And Eddie Kingston for me, <laughs> they literally just have to give him, you know, two sentences and he makes a match get over. Whether he's, you know, talking about, um, you know, Ray Phoenix and, uh, and Penta being his best friends and, uh, you know, telling JR, Merry Christmas, Shivani, up yours, I'm out of here. Um, you know, and then recently with uh, Brody, when oh, this uh, this was the moment that got me when he uh, he came out and all he, he just you know got a microphone, it wasn't working, so he mm -hmm. angrily threw it on the ground and got the one out of the ring announcer yep. hand, um, and just said, "Brody, I love you, I miss you," and he started to break, and then he caught himself and said, "You know, this one's for you." But now that the nice stuff's over, over Dark Order, Brody's gone. He's the only good thing about your group. Now you're going down, bam, and just threw his microphone down. And I was like, this is going to be match of the night. And all it took was 15, 20 seconds of Eddie Kingston just telling the story of what he's about to do in the ring. I I can't give that guy enough credit. And again, Matt, I can only compare him to chicken shawarmas because for the longest <laughs> time in my life, we did not have a family that encouraged us to eat shawarmas. And for some reason, we just didn't eat them. Uh, for like the at least me for like the first 20 ish years of my life, and then yep. I had one, and I was like, all those wasted years. Oh, my every time I hear Eddie Kingston talk, I think, <laughs> my god, this guy's been on the indies forever. All those wasted years, I could have been enjoying his promos, buying his t shirts, shaking his hand at you know, uh, uh bingo halls before now he's making it big on TNT. I, I just can't say enough, he's he's right up there for me for uh, Mike Performer of the Year. Um, and I, I guess, yeah, if, uh, I hope, I hope that what I said in regards to like this casting doesn't, uh, diminish the immense talent that Eddie also has, because that's where I come back to the idea that he rattles off stories off the top of his head, like nothing. Uh, but that's where I'm sure there's somebody else that, that might be able to do that and on planet earth, but Eddie Kingston, you know what? <laughs> Everybody else is fucked because they don't sound as cool as Eddie Kingston does. So he, he gets over. Um, I mean, shoot, it's why MVP is leading the Hurt Business. Um, Bobby Lashley's not going to get that group over, but MVP is. Uh, so ultimately, yeah, I, if I had to pick one that is uh, Mike Performer of the Year, it is Eddie Kingston. But MVP, I, I think ultimately, like, he's, he's easy, easily number one in the WWE. Eddie Kingston easily number one in aew but if we're picking one across planet earth it's eddie kingston yeah um i because uh, i know who we want to put at number one i just want to throw a couple more in there um i know you mentioned Asuka. Really this, well, let me hit the pause button is this yeah. for overall performer of the year or yeah. are we sticking with the mic oh uh, we'll do performer we'll kind of build our way All right. um so for performer i was just going to say Asuka. she got bested by one person i think you and i know who that is uh we'll just 
speak telepathically. Um, but Asuka, I mean, she had excellent matches against, you know, you name it, Sasha, Bailey, Becky, um, you know, and, and as far as if they wanted to, you know, try out somebody new to uh, kind of help get them over with the crowd, uh, she was right there taking care of like the Selena Vegas of the world, um, trying to take care of the Lanas of the world, you know, making sure they, you know, don't embarrass themselves, you know, in their, you know, big solo moments um, going up against one of the greatest wrestlers ever in Asuka. Um, and she took care of her opponents, um, you know, made them look confident out there, even if they were still a little bit, you know, greener than, you know, the Beckys or the Baileys. Um, you know, like you mentioned, she's out there cutting promos and she's, English is, it's really hard on like, um, like the way the words are designed, um, like in Japan and China, it's really hard to translate it English into English. So to kind of go back and forth, it's, it's like a studied science of how difficult it is. Mm -hmm. And so she has that huge hurdle that she goes through every week and she still cuts some of the most compelling promos where you're just glued to every Asuka moment because she's so funny. She's so charismatic. She's so energetic. She's so passionate. She's so talented. Um, we're, we're just living in like one of the golden ages of wrestling, um, especially in regards to the women's division. And then like you, I think you mentioned earlier today, uh, we end up saying it every week to just ask a, one of the best ever, ever, and, you know, you don't have to add that caveat of, you know, female performer, just best. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'll take the time now to talk about Drew McIntyre. Uh, you've got your Royal Rumble win, your WWE champion for most of the year, uh, wrestled through a broken jaw. I got to throw that out there. And then I, I still stick to, I think this if if the hardest job is what Asuka has is to get over that hurdle of um I guess she's a face and yeah. she's going over the language barrier. Uh Drew McIntyre has like the maybe second, third, or fourth hardest job of just getting a face over because anybody who becomes a face in this business seems to have a tougher job of getting over. Uh when it when it uh, maybe more so in the WWE. I mean, we didn't really see John Boxley struggle, but uh then again. I mean, there there weren't too many moments where I we had him in the middle of the ring just spitting at the crowd. So, uh, but for Drew McIntyre, it was probably three or four segments every night on <laughs> Monday Night Raw. This guy has to go out there deliver some promo. He's not only uh, you know we'll take the same words from from Oscar. He's he's always got the energy. He's extremely charismatic. I I think he's really funny. Um, and, and there's never been more joy and love just exuding from a face especially one as dominant as him and it just fits into the character like he's just so happy to be in this position not saying anybody else isn't this happy um but you know maybe it's a tie for him and oscar but the, everything they say just it comes out of like i appreciate this position that i'm in and I love every moment of it. And if it ended for them the next day, I, I think they would just still be so happy that they got their moments. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this is something, too, a long time coming for Drew McIntyre that we were writing articles a couple years ago about, um, you know, this is Drew McIntyre's time. And they they actually wrote it pretty well. Um, I, I think they, they did a pretty good job with the Royal Rumble. I, I think it goes down as one of the best Royal Rumbles of all time. But, I, I mean, a pretty good job and having that continue the story for Drew McIntyre. Um, but I I feel bad that this was 
so such a long time coming. And then he, the WrestleMania he got where this was supposed to be that big time where he, he takes out Brock Lesnar and there's supposed to be a hundred thousand people that jump in the air and scream for him. God, I almost want to make him performer of the year because that would get me down. If I, after waiting for so long, like then I become champion. I just, I'd throw in the towel for the rest of the year. Who gives a shit? But he didn't, he persevered. He still does all the shows every morning. He still has his own talk show that he created. Um, and now, yeah, he's, he's doing everything that the John Cena's would do with the title. And, you know, he's got the fans on his side. I, I would say for the most part. I, I still see people complaining about Drew McIntyre, but even recently uh, there was somebody that uh, clapped back at a Drew McIntyre comment, and then I stepped in and said, what could you possibly not like about him? And they immediately pulled back, and they were like, well, yeah, I guess you're right. There isn't really anything to complain about this guy. Because it's it's tough. It's tough to find anything because he's uh, he's that hybrid. We're, we, we've been talking about the hybrid superstar over the last couple of years. Mainly because of Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and especially because of Drew McIntyre. Uh, the agility that he, he shows in the ring for his side. Yeah, the five-tool five athlete. Absolutely. Right. And, and he's definitely one of the few people, I think, does a great combination where, I mean, we've seen some complaining about uh, certain performers recently that are a little more agile in the ring for their size, and maybe they're not doing enough power. I don't know what the hell the complaint really is about Keith Lee, but anyway... Drew McIntyre has an incredible balance of doing agile moves. Mike, his finisher is jumping in the air. You jump six feet in the air to chop your head off. Yeah. But uh, besides that, it's just complete power all over the place. Uh, so I, I I just, you gotta, it's, it's not who I'm picking for performer of the year. But you can't, yeah, it, it'd be hard pressed to say he's not in your top three. Wow, I've got right. my top three in mind right now, uh, and it's such—it's so hard. That's why I wanted to do time. I really thought it was going to be Drew. Uh, I'm just going to throw one out there. I'm going to let you do the number one. Uh, this is not a top performer, but I, I just—he gets a lot of flack. He's a part-time performer. He doesn't really like this business, and I got to say, Matt, to really be a stepping stone—I never thought I would use that phrase for this guy—a stepping stone. Uh, a guy passing the baton, Matt, was Brock Lesnar. Now, he uh, obviously, every year, he's he's usually got his hand um, in the main event scene, winning uh, Universal or WWE Championship. Uh, 2020 was no exception. Uh -huh. um, but he was there as a stepping stone for Drew McIntyre. Um, it wasn't just that he, uh, you know, ate the Claymore at the Royal Rumble, went flying over the top. Um, lost to stare down with Drew McIntyre at the Royal Rumble. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, ended up losing to him at WrestleMania. Um, but there are those moments where they were building the feud between those two guys. And uh, Drew had to look um, like a world conqueror. In the build to the big match at Mania, he had to look like this was actually possible. Um, you know, put put uh, put that, that big size 18 boot out there, you know, covered in man fur. He had to go out there and do it. Um, but in the build, I, I'll never forget, and I'll I'll never look at Brock the same way as you know just a, a guy who's there to just cash a paycheck. Um, he ate a claymore for McIntyre to you know on the road to WrestleMania. Um, he's lying on the ground, and the camera caught him um, yelling at Drew to kick him again and celebrate more. And Drew caught his eye, gave him another kick, and just was screaming his head off to 
to really sell how dominant he was over Brock. And we've we've seen it in the past where Brock will bump for AJ, will bump for Daniel Bryan because he you know respects those guys. Um, but for, for what he did for Drew McIntyre to like like encourage him, yeah. like take that extra step, take an extra liberty with me because if you get over on me, you're going to be a made man. Just really really go into it, you know, uh, arms open. Uh, he really did a favor for Drew. And uh, Drew obviously had to take it and run, which, you know, he's without question, he's done this year. But I really want to make sure Brock gets a little credit for that. Brock really helped, uh, you know, that that initial kind of push of Drew into um, mega superstar relevance. So just hats off to Lesnar. If we were talking underrated moments for the year, absolutely. If you you could make that argument, Mike, there's no goddamn effing way in hell. That a guy who hasn't wrestled since WrestleMania is getting performer of the year. He's not even close. He's not even close. Brock's not really a spotlight guy. You know, he's just he's just there to prop up talent. You know, that's what he is. Yeah, but you don't give a guy performer of the year for that. Uh, What about best supporting actor? Okay. No, that's not best actor, is it? We have settled it. And I still think you're totally wrong. Like that, we we've got so many different layers of guys that can. I mean, AJ Styles, uh, Sami Zayn uh, was fantastic this year. He's totally the best supporting actor. <laughs> Not Brock Lesnar. Jesus Christ! I'm making the I'm making the case. I made it, Matt. All right, wrestler, wrestler number one. I feel like. Uh... Well, here's the thing: is we still haven't we still haven't talked about. I mean, I think there's a lot of conversation that needs to happen for Sasha and Bailey, but um, if we're if we're ready to move on to the next segment, which we we're on an hour now, uh, let's just do it. Um, Mike, my performer of the year is Bray Wyatt. It's, it's no doubt in my mind he's performer of the year. Um, it's funny, like we were talking about, and it was so hard for me to bite my tongue because I didn't want to spoil that my performer of the year is Bray Wyatt. But we were talking about Eddie Kingston and MVP spitting back and forth on the mic. Um, absolutely, Bray Wyatt should be in that conversation. It's just you gotta, you know, you gotta throw the curveballs in there when we're, you're doing your show. So, performer of the year, easily, Bray Wyatt put on the best matches. The matches I'm gonna go back and watch over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And over. Um, I, I hate to say it, but I loved. Uh, I was going back and looking at the catalog of Drew McIntyre this year. Um, Randy Orton match. An absolute blast, uh, especially with getting all the old timers mixed in there. Um, Monday Night Raw match was fantastic. We'll talk about match of the year. There's with Seth Rollins, but I'm probably not going to go back and watch those as much as I'm going to go back and watch John Cena and Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania and uh, watching the. I mean, he made Braun Strowman like extremely fun again, and you got Alexa Bliss mixed into all that. Um, the wonderful storytelling in regards to, to what was going on with the, the Joker and Harley Quinn parallels that we saw with those two. And that, that even continues as Bray Wyatt is off TV. Um, it's just, and, and Randy Orton, I mean, Randy Orton and Bray, it got messy at times, but they, they sure as hell told a wonderful finish to that story. And one that, that still a finish with a cliffhanger. I, <sighs> We're not going to see the greatest like technical match when it comes to uh, the Fiend and Bray Wyatt, but I'm totally fine still with what the Fiend ends up being. And um, I mean, we're still talking like 20 minutes of a wrestling match or wrestling segment. 
uh, that he does at WrestleMania or whatever. Uh, yeah. So it still takes a lot of effort. It still takes a lot of, you know, who, who you are to, to, to go in there. And, and from what we heard at WrestleMania, that was like a full day of taping when it was him and John Cena. So you could make the argument. Uh, more work goes into it than a regular wrestling match. So to that end, Mike, I talked earlier that I want this year to be the year we change the definition of pro wrestling. And you can't do it without Bray Wyatt. So that's my performer of the year. <clears throat> yeah, uh, it's uh, that's a tough one to pick against. Um, I really thought you were going to go with Drew or Roman, and Bray is he's a better pick. Um, you're going, but you're going Brock Lesnar. I gotta go Brock. No, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go Bray. Um, you know, we're basically making the case that. Um, he just transcended beyond, you know, what wrestling is, you know, with the whole goal of, um, you know, winning that night, you know, winning a championship, getting gold. Um, when he would, he was juggling two characters. He was Bray Wyatt. He was the fiend. They were not, I mean, he would change into them interchangeably, but they were, um, you know, radically different personas, uh, different sides of the same man. And, mm -hmm. um, the way that, uh, the way that he changed, um, I think the fan perspective, even if he lost a match, I think people were still kind of excited to see, well, what's going to happen next? Like, so if he's wrestling his brain and he loses, this is probably just, you know, um, you know, tier one, level one, where he's just getting inside the head of his opponent. Like it, it all felt like such a, a measured approach whenever he won, whenever he lost. And it just kind of felt like a spider, you know, kind of hunting looking down and maybe giving you just like a hint or a glimpse that maybe there's a sign of weakness. And then really he was just bringing you in for a, you know, more um, aggressive attack. Um, it, it just almost, almost every detail uh, was perfect. And um, I think it's one of those uh, there's, there's like a classic storytelling um, um, rule where what you do is you have your character's, uh, basically be, you know, be themselves, have some consistency, but you change them by about, I think it's like 10% every episode, something like that. Yeah. It's the rule. Yeah. They still evolve, but you know, they, they evolve, but they're still, you know, consistent. And so Bray, the way they kept changing them, um, evolving them, like you mentioned, you know, bringing in Alexa Bliss into the fold, um, adding new puppets, uh, every couple of weeks. Um, and then, uh, you know, reanimating Ramblin' Rabbit, who is, you know, quickly becoming the Kenny McCormick of, uh, the Firefly <laughs> Funhouse. Um, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it just, the, the revenge tour was so good. Um, and ultimately he wasn't able to get it back on Randy, but it looks like this is just going to be a longer piece that maybe they'll be able to undo that awful maggot match, uh, from WrestleMania when they were fighting for, uh, the championship. So. Maybe that'll, you know, that'll be uh, the cherry on top. But, um, yeah, I, I think Bray Wyatt's a really solid choice. So we have quite a bit on the list here. So I think we're finally going to skip our Wednesday Night Wars segment. But um, how are we doing on time? We might we're this we're at an hour right now. We might have to spread it into next week. We still got people who are going to be getting a push. Uh, we got match of the year, faction of the year. Whew, got a lot on there, Matt. That's, that's what I wanted to go into next was uh, do for a push in 2021. Um, I, I'll just do this. I, I'm going to say, here's here's my list of people. I don't know if there's anybody on your mind. Uh, or and not then I'm do it next week. Huh? I said, or not do it next week. 
Oh, uh, okay. okay. We'll split it up. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're going to bed now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do? Yeah. Oh, I thought uh, I thought we were going to say no. All right. Um, this is fun. This is great podcasting. Uh, <laughs> just. Let's yeah, we'll do the rest next week. All right. Uh, so next week we have do for a push, and uh, so it's the thing. It's uh, do for a push slash newcomer slash most improved kind of thing. So it's it's quite a jumble there, but it's essentially comes down to who's done such a great job in 2020. They need a bigger push in 2021. Uh, we did want to go through the the best of the fiend, and that's because uh, like I made him performer of the year. That's because all of his matches to me were match of the year. It was just a tie. So I had to take that out of the equation. So we're going to talk best of the feed next week. And then, uh, Mike, do you want to do match of the year right now? Because that, I mean, that still seems to fit in our performer of the year. I don't just want to do performer of the year and say we're wrapping up 2020 and only touch on performer of the year. Where do you want to save match of the year for next week? All right, let's get in. Matt. I, uh, there's a lot of different ways to look at match of the year. Um, it could be who put on that five-star classic, uh, this year, I think it's going to be, you know, matches that captured the imagination, uh, try to redefine what it means to be, uh, even in a, you know, wrestling ring. Are we, are we even inside a ring? Are we even inside a building? Are, are we outside in the woods? Matt, are we in a football stadium? <laughs> Are we wrestling in uh, the scene of Resident Evil 7? I don't know. Maybe all in all of them. Um, and, uh, you know, we really got to be creative with what that meant. And um, I'm going to start with uh, more of a traditional match. Uh, one of the most violent things I've ever seen. Um, and, and, I mean, I've watched... Uh, I already know. I've watched, I watched Lars von Trier Antichrist uh, more than once. And I would put this... Walter versus Ilya Dragunov match, uh, right up there. So if you've never watched Antichrist, but you've watched this match, uh, you're going to watch Antichrist and ask him to pick it up a little bit. Matt, this is probably the most damage I've seen two human beings give each other. Um, if if we're talking about pop culture this year and you played The Last of Us Part Two, spoiler alert, that game's been out like five months now. Um, there's a final scene where you're Ellie and you can just punch your rival um, ad nauseum if you want, and you're just a couple of bloody messes who collapse into a pool of water um, until you're basically on your last breath. Those two characters don't know what damage is. All right, Ilya Dragunov and Walter destroyed their bodies, man. And we mentioned it when we saw the match. Uh, it was just a nondescript episode of WWE UK. Um, it didn't get a lot of publicity. In the aftermath, they did push it. But that match going in got no fanfare. There's no eyeballs on it. Yep. Matt, that we talked in this show today about prioritizing people with a passion for this business, and what those two guys did uh, on a show that had no audience, no fanfare, uh, nobody even knew it was going on. Some people still don't know WWE uh, UK is going on. Uh, like what time of day you can even watch it? Right. Uh, but these two guys, basically for the love, you know, there's for the love of God. No, for the love of professional wrestling, Ilya and Walter killed each other. Um, there was there was blood. There was broken capillaries. Uh, there was just strewn flesh. 
And at the end of it, uh, you know, Walter, of course, came out on top. He is the face of that, you know, promotion um, across the pond. But Ilya made a star of himself by eating all that punishment and coming back for more. Matt, this was, uh, whew, if it wasn't the best match of the year, it was definitely uh, the most memorable for me. <laughs> okay. I I mean, that, to me, when I thought of match of the year, was the first thing that popped in my head. And I feel like that's a, that's a pretty good way to start making that judgment. Like, whatever, whatever the first thing that pops in there. Um, a few weeks back, though, we were talking to Mr. Warren Hayes, and I brought up you. Why can't we change the definition of pro wrestling? Uh, is something we've been talking about today. So why can't the Royal Rumble be a part of best match of the year? And Mike, I, I hands down, probably being such a huge Drew McIntyre fan, will list this as the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. I think it was one Royal Rumble that had more storytelling in it than any other Royal Rumble, and and that includes half of everybody being eliminated by one guy immediately guy after guy after guy after guy like and, and that needed that story needed to be told um but you've also got the return of edge uh and, and i mean the finish to that match it still felt like every everybody in that building wanted drew mcintyre to win and anytime he got close to the ropes I think we were all on the same page of just holding our breath and just we wanted the match to end, even though it was so great. Like you just wanted to see it end so that you could see Drew McIntyre win. Then we could go, okay, we have a good WrestleMania coming up. Um, I I think that that it has everything you want. It, it's so much fun. And um, to see the guys still talking about it now, uh, I mean, you saw them tweeting about it the next day nonstop, uh, especially Drew McIntyre, but – I mean, the likes of Dolph Ziggler, who took the first spear from Edge. I mean, to think about it, like that's that's what he gets to go home. That's what Dolph Ziggler does, right? He takes a spear. That's what that motherfucker. Yeah. He he's amazing at taking spears. Granted, like I said, maybe not the best voice for being WWE champion, but uh, <laughs> he take a spear. Uh, but I, I just I know, just you know, real quick, I, I rewatched that uh, Rumble today before the show, and uh, yeah, it's so funny how who they propped up like put put in there to prop up edge like ziggler hits the ring uh aj hits the ring carl anderson hits the ring and all three of those guys are world-class sellers so they're all yeah. uh, like i saw them i'm like oh edge is about to come out and then oh, understand i'm like oh man here comes some spears but yeah go ahead uh i and i don't think to uh like there there was any more beautiful moment um than to see edge soaking that all in too and i mean you could just go back and watch that moment over and over that that is so great but you already brought up like brock lesnar selling for drew mcintyre at the at the rumble i mean god i really miss hearing that you know like fifty thousand people all on the same page of wanting something to end and we actually got it like uh <sighs> It was just, it was so great. That, that was one of those nights I lost my voice. But I, I was also going to, like, run down this list here of, of matches that we have on here. So I, I, I don't think, I, I don't think I will pick the Royal Rumble. But I think this is, this is like that when the Oscars was like, all right, we're going to count comic book movies. But only because the Dark Knight was so fucking good. Like, this is like, all right, normally the Royal Rumbles are not nominated but it's nominated this year because it was that damn good so that, yeah. that's the if the royal rumble had a like a if it was personified that that's the solace it can take home it's the first time it's been nominated um 
but Mike, I'm gonna sound, I'm gonna be that dick right now. Um, it was one of those moments where I was like excited to watch pro wrestling, and I went, oh no, this is what it feels like, like to just watch a match and be like reinvigorated, like the the switch is turned on again. That's kind of been in like the mid range. You ever, you ever see those those light switches, Mike? We have one at my house. That Matt's uh, trying to say he's turned on. That's right. Uh, but you can do like half voltage for your light bulb. So it's yeah. not quite as bright. It's definitely been at that mid-level for a while. So but you were a quarter chub. You were a full fat, big old <laughs> ham hock. Gotcha, yeah. man. We understand. What well, gave you a big old boner, man? Mike, this is where I'm going to sound like a douche. It was Okada and Naito. Uh, oh, it's gonna bring me back for another Wrestle Kingdom. It wasn't good enough to have me watch uh, the G1, uh, so I'll say that. Um, I did not want to wake up early and watch those matches. I kept track of it online, but uh, Mike, I will watch Wrestle Kingdom again because it is that damn good of a show. Uh, but this, when I described it almost a year ago to our fans, it was like watching anime it was like watching dragon ball z was, you get to see like the titans go at it and they sell like nobody's business i mean they look dead tired at the end of these matches like everything that we got from Dragonoff and walter it is there in in this um what, I, what i'm gonna say is uh, I don't, I don't, i'm not gonna pick it i i know what i want to pick um uh, but o okada naito is definitely like uh maybe top three for me uh, for for this year, um, and it happened so early in the year. But yeah, you you get to see these hard strikes. They they look like they're really affecting the person they're fighting. I, and I, it's so wild to me that um, like the uh, what do I want to say? Like I mean, the the Bullet Club was so huge, and the Young Bucks are so huge over there. I, I just it's so wild to me because the the way that they sell is so different from what is happening in New Japan, and it. It just blows my mind, like, these amazing stories that look like Dragon Ball Z fights, which I'm fine saying, like, that got me excited for wrestling again. Uh, but ultimately, like, you have to go and watch these matches. They're they're that damn good, and I don't even know what the fuck the story is. All I know is that there's a guy who's been trying to win the title forever, uh, and now they're going to do, like, they're doing a double, you know, it's, it's the IWGP heavyweight and the Intercontinental titles on the line in one match, and one guy just becomes the, you know, the holder of all titles at the, the end of the day, after yeah. two two straight days of wrestling in, in Japan. Um, that's the final thing you get to watch. And uh, they kind of ruined it with, with Kenta came out and, um, you know, like made his challenge for the title, like at the end of the night. And from what I can tell by reading, it didn't really amount to anything. But um, <laughs> besides that, that, like that was super confusing. So I was like, why the fuck? It's Kenta out here. He lost earlier today. He's not. Yeah. In, he didn't do well. Anyway, um, everything else though, the wrestling match, top notch. Um, I don't know if you want to touch on any more of these before. I'll say. I mean, gonna... if you talk about MJF versus Jungle Boy, right, at Double or Nothing, that's the one I think people talk about. This is the future of AEW. Yeah. Um, you know, this is you know the athletic specimen and Jungle Boy. This is the the motor mouth um heel that we're gonna heal uh, you know be listening to for you know years maybe decades to come um it, it was an excellent piece of wrestling but I, shame on me because one of the as memorable as that was i don't think i'm ever gonna forget 
that stadium stampede match uh, with Hangman galloping around in a horse on a horse. <laughs> uh, Sammy Guevara getting run over. Um, my God, the three faces of Matt Hardy and the baptismal pool. Um, just the violence and mayhem that was a wrestling match, but at times turned into a, an, an episode of the Three Stooges. Matt, Stadium Stampede was like 45 fucking minutes long. Um, <laughs> it was basically uh, an hour of, it was like an episode of Mad Men. It was that long. Um, and it never felt long. There was always something going on. It was, you know, when we talk about what a traditional match is and the, the Stampede allowed not just the wrestlers to get creative, it allowed the cameramen to get creative, um, you know, the screenwriters uh, for that production. Um, it was all hands on deck at AEW. Like the precedent had already been set about what a theatrical um, experimental match could be. Um, and AEW kind of had to follow in the wake and, you know, try and do something that, uh, you know, it, you know, tried to surpass what had already come. Um, I, I don't know if they surpassed it, but it, at least was that kind of larger than life uh, presentation of professional wrestling. Um, and as much as, you know, all the other silliness, you know, that occurred and, uh, you know, taking place on a, on a, you know, the damn football arena that's owned by the Khan family, uh, <laughs> you know, they literally used every resource they have at their disposal. Um, I, I'm surprised that in some capacity, Blake Bortles didn't run out uh, just for fun. Uh, but it was, it was entertaining. It was still wrestling violent. It was hilarious. Um, and it's something I'm, you know, never going to forget. So stadium stampede was one of the highlights of 2020. Um, all right, here we go. Mike, I'm going to pick a match that had two of my top candidates for performer of the year. Mike, I'm not going too far back. Going to survivor series. That. Drew McIntyre Roman Reigns match is the fucking tits, man. I, <laughs> I've got so look. I went and took a look at like the last, like I wanted to feel again, like the last five minutes or the last like ten minutes of these matches. Uh, it's pretty obvious the what you get from the Royal Rumble. Uh, Dragonoff and Walter so hard to to combat that last ten minutes. Uh, same thing with Naito and Okada, especially what's on the line and what you can see and feel in these guys and their faces. Like, you go to the last 10 minutes of that match, it looks like they're both about to die. But this, to me, Mike, is huge from, from like, I'm not just going to pick something to make everybody happy here. Like, I this was huge for me watching the show. I absolutely love everything Roman Reigns has done this year. Obviously, everyone knows how in love I am <laughs> with Drew McIntyre. And I knew that this night was going to end with Roman winning. But I thought, Mike, I thought there's like a chance. And, and, and I'll tell you too, like another great one, like anything Roman's done, the, the J match, uh, Kevin Owens, like you were kind of just like, there's a, there's a chance. Uh, but you shouldn't say that with Drew McIntyre. And, and they were evenly matched, but you still knew like Roman has to win this. Uh, can't be Drew. Uh, now the, the finish was a little... You know, you, you get some interference involved. That keeps the guys clean. But everything in the middle there, that storytelling of just seeing these two titans on either show and making sure that, you know, like what went down, they both got to show off. Like, why why are you holding a championship belt on their show? Um, and, and I thought, like, for me, this is one that I, I will go back to just because 
I th- it's kind of like that that feel you get, and I forgive me, everybody, but when you watch Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, part of the reason that match is so good is because it's fucking Undertaker and fucking Shawn Michaels. Um, I. You know, Mike. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't get. I don't get too excited about uh, Steamboat, Ricky. Uh, I don't. Sam I don't. Steamboat and uh, I'm sorry. Eighty-three. Is that what you? Yeah. Go, go ahead, everybody. Run me down because it's the greatest match of all time. I don't get that excited for Steamboat. Never have. Never will. But I get super excited, especially this year for Drew McIntyre and everything Roman has done. So. For me, if I'm going to watch those two go at it while they're pretty much both at the height of their careers, Mike, I mean, that's that's why I'm not saying it compares. That's why Hogan and Rock is so great. Like, it's pretty terrible match, but it's so great because of that. Now take that and have Hulk Hogan performing at his peak, even though it never really was that good. You know what? Scratch that. Still his peak. Arguably. <laughs> you plateau, you're always at your peak. That's true. Um, I, it's hard. Yeah, it's, I guess it's hard for me to put a finger on. Like, what, what do I compare this to? Because um, it, it certainly was not as great as Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. But you saw you saw two guys who are at the peak of the business right now. Two of the top guys in pro wrestling right now. I'm sorry if you want to make some argument about Hangman Page being up there instead of Drew McIntyre. You're wrong. Uh, it, they really are at the top of this business. They fought each other in a very lengthy match. And it was extremely compelling because either guy could have won at any moment. And they did a great job of keeping both guys looking strong by the end of it. Like, there wasn't a a point where you were like, well, fuck, why am I going to watch Raw now? Because Drew McIntyre can't win a match. It didn't happen. It it was a a difficult job to do. But when they they executed, I think, to a T. And I think that adds to uh, why, for me, this is match of the year. Because it's, it's harder to book. It's harder to book that thing where two guys... Are have to you know stay looking as strong as they are and still come out both both have to come out on top. You ain't lying, Matt. Um, yeah, it's another good contender. I, I'm just trying to comb through and see if there's any other. That's my pick. That's you. Well, for me, I. I... No, that's the show's pick, Mike. I did the editing. That's the I show's pick. pick. That's, that's who we're picking. Me. No, I'm. <laughs> who are you? Who are you picking? I'm gonna throw a bunch of curses out there and ruin it. Um, gosh, I, damn it. I, I can't, I mean, <laughs> son of a bitch. I, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to watch three matches, uh, over and over and over. It's going to be the 2020 Royal Rumble. Um, it's going to be, um, uh, I, I do like that Drew versus, uh, Roman match. It is, it is really excellent. I am going to rewatch uh, <laughs> Randy uh, feuding with The Fiend. Uh, hopefully there's it, it, like a concise uh, highlight video of their buildup to their matches. But man, I, I got to say, like, if somebody says, all right, make me a highlight reel, make me a DVD, uh, make me, a, um, I don't know, I guess a, a YouTube <laughs> clip of the greatest matches of 2020. Uh, the first match that came to mind was Ilya versus Walter. It's the very spirit of wrestling. It's wrestling for the sake of wrestling. Um, it felt real, even though, you know, they're not, you know, they're not dead, uh, which it certainly looked like one of them should not have survived that match. Uh, <laughs> give me Ilya versus Walter. That was one of the best, you know, 25 minutes of wrestling I've ever seen. 
Real gutsy pick there, Mike. I'm oh, just kidding. <laughs> Whatever, Roman Reigns match. Get out of here. <laughs> you WWE slappy. <laughs> I know. I I don't think. What's funny is I I wrote that article about like brand loyalty, and I feel like you I have a lot of loyalty for Roman Reigns. Yeah, like I still like that's still a brand. That's still like Roman Reigns is still a brand. Drew McIntyre is still a brand, and I'm like, yeah, to the moon, let's go, guys. <laughs> Anywhere, I'll drink that Kool Aid. All right, um, are we doing Wednesday Night War? Oh God, I, no! This is a yes. weird week to do that. Hell yeah. It's a weird week to do that. Yeah. This All is right. Let, let me say this. Um, everybody, NXT was a, was a pretty fucking great show. Uh, it, it was not one to take a nap on because you got two. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna define it this way. You've got your takeover like match of the year candidates, and then you've just got your regular Wednesday NXT shows. This had two match of the year candidates for like those Wednesday shows. Um like no, I have no problem saying that. Uh, Roddy and and Pete put on an absolute banger. I love like everything that Pete done since he came back. Uh, everything that Pete has done <laughs> it has been fantastic. Um, but one of the the things that will stick with me is Roderick Strong running from corner to corner, doing um, like this was. If if you saw the tug of war from a week ago with Kyle and Pete, this was this week's version of that where. Roddy is running from corner to corner, just doing elbows, coming back and forth. Is he doing that thing where he's trying to subtly slap his thigh so it gets a good sound effect? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking you might have seen it on social media. He's done it before. Um, I I love that spot. Yeah. You've got uh, Grizzled Young Vets, Mike, and fucking Breezango setting up the Dusty Classic. Um, Don't sleep on Breezango, but, man, Mike, Grizzled Young Vets, they're ready to go. They're going to win this thing. And then uh, uh, Gargano and Leon Ruff doing their North American Championship thing. Um, great way to end the, the rivalry. I, I hope it's over. I think Johnny's moving on. Uh, great match. Great opportunity for Leon to just kind of show off. Um, Mike? No, you know, with that, I... Um, well, let me say this. Uh, I've, been a, I've been on a cold spell <laughs> as far as buying T-shirts from them. Yeah, and, uh, I think Grizzled Young Vets. I- I've been waiting for a good shirt from from that from that group, and yeah. uh, that's going to be my next one. Um, but yeah, as far it, it, we couldn't really do the wars this week. This was reaching across the aisle. This was you know everybody kind of coming together for uh, the Huber family. Um, I mean AEW. It was a it was a solid program. It was it was just basically about uh, getting the Dark Order out there. Uh, they were teaming up with a lot of the baby faces uh, from AEW. Um, you know, uh, Orange Cassidy, Cody, uh, you know, Hangman, people like that. Um, I'd say some of the some of the cool standouts, um, especially, you know, Brothers of Discussion fans uh, wondered what's going to happen to Lance Archer. We want the murder hawk out there winning matches. Right. Um, and he, you know, got he got felled by John Moxley. He, you know, just kind of he just kind of uh, Infinity Wars in a dust um, as far as his relevance goes. Um, but he came out in the uh, in the Brody, uh, the old Brody gear with the the white uh, tank top and the light blue jeans. Um, and I, I I don't know. Obviously, some production meeting goes on to see who gets to decide, you know, what kind of spots or look you get to do in your homage. But man, I, I think they really did him a favor, and they they must see something if if they're gonna let you know if they gave him the green light to to be the one to, you know, wear the garb like that. Um, 
he really stood out. Um, you know, I mentioned Eddie Kingston coming out and cutting his promo. Uh, you know, it was two sentences of gold. Um, and then outside of that, you know, it was it was the usual from Cody and Orange. You know, they they know how to, you know, be uh, you know either highly skilled in the ring or you know hilarious and also highly skilled in the ring because you still got to be able to wrestle if you're gonna you know be that silly. You still got to back it up with some, you know, uh, wrestling knowledge and acumen, which uh, our boy Cassidy does. Um, you know, the the big picture was, you know, was saying goodbye to, to John and, uh, you know, it opened the show. It, it was actually the main event. It was the last, you know, five or ten minutes of Dynamite um, after the wrestling was done. Um, and they gave the Huber family a nice uh, ovation, um, you know, let let them put, uh, you know, John's, John's little boots, you know, in the ring for the last time. Um yeah, it was uh, it was really touching stuff. I, I I don't know how anybody could see that and not have a dry eye. That was uh, stuff to watch, and I, I think somehow AEW nailed a perfect send off uh, for one of a uh, one of our fallen wrestling brothers. So um, maybe not match of the years like like you had on NXT, but uh, still a very important show. And I, I think uh, I want to say it was Matt Cardona who said it best. You know, it really fucking sucks that you know the why of, you know, this, this card, the way it was, but it really turned out excellent. So not a war, but this week, uh, Wednesday night peace offering. So it was, uh, it was a, it was a great Wednesday. Well, I mean, there's no other way to end the show. What, what kind of stinks is that you jumped into that nice sentiment and I was going to talk about Leon Ruff's huge thingy. Uh, <laughs> that Johnny uh, kept trying to avoid while he was fighting Leon. Um, so you guys just look out for that. Watch the Johnny Gargano Leon Ruff match. Uh, that's a better way to end a brothers a discussion show. Um, <laughs> that's how we normally end them. Something awkward and dumb. So uh, yeah, look out for that. I, I wanted to make sure you guys. I mean, uh, is it behind me or? Jesus. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, look out for it. No, I mean, you know. I, I did my best to watch most of the, the Brody program. Um, but go back go back and watch NXT when you get an opportunity. You're not a bad person if you watch that. <laughs> not, not, your, not you. I mean, people listening. You're not a bad person if you watch it on your DVR. Brody here, Meg, called me a bad person. All right. I said not you. You're the only person I said that's not bad. All right. Uh, everybody, uh, have, have a happy new year. Uh, but not a lot of people are busy like but uh, this will be up. We'll go through everything else next week that we have on this list. And hopefully nothing big happens in the wrestling. So we can just focus on that and uh, get back into it. All right.